Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Gong, the podcast all about sales at startups. My name is Adriel, and as you know, season two is a little bit different than season one. Season one, we were interviewing lots of awesome leaders, uh, founders, heads of sales, learning all about what it's like to do sales at an early stage company. Season two is really diving deep. Uh, I, a few months ago, am the, became the founder of my own startup. It's called Riveter, uh, and it is an employee uh, severance add-on, excuse me, severance add-on, something that an employer provides to the people that they lay off and we help our members thrive in unemployment. So this season, we're going to dive deep into what it's actually like for me uh, to do all the sales at this kind of startup. And the tables are turned. I'm not going to be doing the interviews, but I will actually be interviewed by my uh, girlfriend and roommate and co-host, Abby. Abby, say hi. Thank you for having me back, Adriel. Oh, you did such a great job in episode one. The reviews were off the charts, we had to have you back. Well, let's dive right in. I think uh, we left off at episode one with you telling us about launching your first minimum viable product. Uh, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit more about what you were trying to learn when you decided you were ready to launch. Yeah, so when uh, when we had the idea and we really started to put a framework around it, we thought we learned that layoffs are really hard. We did dozens of customer interviews and learned that layoffs are tough for the employer and they're also really hard on the individual. So our early thesis was simply there needs to be a single source of truth, a place that they can go, that people who just got laid off can go to understand everything they need to know about unemployment and about how to do well in unemployment. And there was no single source of information there. You know, terrible taxes is the one place you go to figure out your taxes. There was nothing like that for this really defining period of time called unemployment. So our MVP, our, our first ever product that took two weeks to put together was a couple of boxes. One said unemployment resources, one said wellness resources, the other said financial resources, and the last one said education resources. And it was a couple of bunch of links on each page. Some sent you to the right place to apply for unemployment. Some sent you to the right place to get a couple of uh, discounted classes on Coursera or whatever we found online. And what we're looking to learn is two things. The first is have a place to send people who that just lost their jobs. And again, this is this is early April. Um, so we were hitting, I think, six or seven million people losing their jobs every week. So we wanted a place for those people to be able to click around and see what they're doing, see what their biggest needs are, contact us for more information and understand what it is that they want in a platform like this. And the second thing that we were looking to understand is what is going to be the experience like for a business to provide this service, this membership to their people. And the MVP let us do that because instead of just building things out until it was beautiful and perfect and working really, really well, uh, and really just working solely off of customer interviews, we got to see where people were clicking. We got to send employers somewhere to give them an, an idea of what it is that we're building. And we got to hear very clearly them react, uh, both verbally and just kind of seeing the analytics around what they're clicking, react to what's, what's valuable, what matters, and specifically we learned that for the people who got laid off, navigating unemployment benefits and insurance is the biggest need. It's the you know, hair on fire need um, for those people. And as for an employer, we learned that they, many of them spend many days or sometimes for larger companies, weeks of HR personnel's time in putting together the resources that we were working on and, and, and being able to provide employees with a little bit of guidance as to how to manage unemployment. So that MVP allowed us to explore the top needs and also share our early iterations with both users and uh, employers. 
Great. So you launched because you wanted to jumpstart the understanding of both the user of your product, the laid off employee, as well as the customer of your product, the employee buying this add on. Um, what were you able to learn post launch those first few weeks that you were able to then use to iterate on your product and reprioritize things perhaps you hadn't originally considered or deprioritize something that you incorrectly assume was a top need? Yeah. So, uh, early on, we weren't aware at all of how complicated unemployment benefits are. Um, we just figured you, you get sent somebody to a page and you apply, but being able to launch that and being able to see that that's the first place people go and, being able to show this to a customer and watch them use it and then say, wow, you can actually help me apply for an employment benefits. And we say, well, no, not exactly. We just send you to the right page and seeing the disappointments in, in their voice or on their face as they rec realize that, oh, well, I heard unemployment benefits really stink to apply for. I guess I got to go do it the old fashioned way. That was a really clear indicator to say, well, you know what? Maybe let's understand better why it's so challenging to apply for unemployment benefits, what we can do to make it better, what products we can build. So we really began to emphasize what we can do by doubling down on that. And from a sales perspective, well, from a customer development and, and customer understanding perspective, you know, that was really, really valuable because we got to really target our future marketing messaging at that and things like that. And similarly, when we're talking about selling to employers, um, we were able to really early on begin to play with their experience of how to provide this to people. You know, once we actually built that first page, we said, all right, if I'm an employer and I land here, what is it I want to see? What do other HR platforms show? What do we like about that? What do we not like about that? Other HR platforms, for example, very heavy on get a demo. You go on most HR platform sites and the call to action is get demo, request demo, schedule a demo. And our thought, if we're going to provide something that's so easy and so um, such a no-brainer for an employer to provide to their employees, cost needs to be a part of that. You know, if this is $1,000 per employee, there's a lot of businesses that are not going to do that. But if we can get the cost down to something reasonable for them, then they are more likely to provide, employers are more likely to provide this to their employees that they let go. And one way to do that, we decided, is to make it super self-service drop our sales costs as much as possible and make the entire product a self-service experience. And that to us came early on as we got to test our product against what other people saw, put it in front of HR reps and, and see what they thought. And I'm curious, like, how did you go about learning this after you launched? You mentioned that you guys had analytics. Tell us a little bit more about like how a scrappy startup builds or uses analytics. It sounds like you talk to some customers, but like, have you approached just aggregating that feedback? Yeah. So it's definitely an imperfect process, but what we tried to do at first is get as many people on the platform as possible, as many users, as many people have recently been laid off. And, uh, we did that in a couple of different ways. You know, all these lists were coming out of people have been laid off. So we emailed those lists. Uh, not sure if that's totally allowed or not, but but we, we we shared that with them and said, hey, here's a bunch of resources for you. So we got a couple thousand people to click around and go places as early as, as we could. For the first two weeks, we just sort of saw where they clicked. Uh, we had analytics, so we know every button that was being clicked on, and, and we got the track that all see was most popular. You know, we thought financial resources would be there really, really high up, and we'd help people maybe refinance their mortgage or refinance their student loans or things like that. But that's just not where 
people were being directed mm -hmm. for uh, unexpected reasons and honestly reasons I'm not totally sure of uh, even yet. Um, and so we were able to use a little bit of that in order to guide our, our learning and get more and more people on the platform. Getting more people on a platform also allowed us to get better partnerships. For example, a big part of our product is uh, we have partnerships, exclusive partnerships to us, many of them, which allow you to have you know a, a meditation app from waking up for three months free using our code or a free month of therapy from BetterHelp using the Riveter code or a free networking event from Brunchwork using the Riveter code. And the more people that we could drive to our site, the better discounts we can negotiate on behalf of our members um, beyond that. So that was really helpful in that capacity. From the employer perspective, but as well as from employees, most of the learning, however, did not come from analytics and it continues to come from, uh, from conversations. I, at least twice a week, talk to people who have either been let go or have done a layoff. I'm always looking to have those conversations. And, you know, fortunately, though unfortunately, COVID has created many, many of those people and many people who are very willing to talk and share those experiences. So those conversations have been the most important driver. And I think, and I've made this, uh, this mistake in the past, you know, one of my first startups, um, I started a delivery company, very sort of imagine the back end to DoorDash is what we were doing. And we spent maybe four months building out our, our MVP, our first product. And it had all these, all these bells and whistles and cool gadgets. And it was really awesome. And drivers can check out immediately and see how much they earned and compete against each other and gamify. It was all really cool. And then we realized nobody cares about what we're doing. So we took the exact opposite approach of that because I had made that mistake in the past and said, let's launch it. Let's interview as many people as possible, as often as possible, and let's drive people there. And I think one value of building that mindset out really early and being super comfortable with being really raw is that now as you know over the last two months things have matured a little bit uh we are able to now have that analytics finally come in and actually give us a little bit of value you know now that it's not a couple dozen people clicking around but hundreds or thousands of people clicking around we get to see exactly what resources are being po are popular for example uh, i was surprised to learn that the most single most popular resource on our entire site is the meditation app now, seems valuable, seems useful, uh, seems helpful, especially for somebody nervous. I just had no idea that that would be as, as valuable as it is. Turns out it's the number one thing. So building out that super scrappy mindset early on and both interviewing people to hear their thoughts and then also building out that culture of looking at our analytics early on and, and only building more of what we see people are being drawn to, um, I, I think has been really valuable. Yeah, I love that. So it sounds like you're really getting in front of as many people as you can on both ends of the All employee the and employer, well, former employee. Um, great. So tell us a little bit about your business model. How do you plan to make money? So that's interesting. That actually, uh, we had a, an idea always that it should be employers providing this to the people that they let go. We didn't exactly know why they would do that beyond goodwill, but What's cool is that once you get started, even if you're starting with a ton of uncertainty, which you are, and that uncertainty probably, do, I mean, it does stay with you all of the time, you begin to learn more and more about our industry and find some unique insights or unique ways of framing that insight. So our business model is that when an employer does a layoff, they purchase memberships uh, at a rate of a per, $75 per employee, and they buy those memberships for the people that they let go. Now, we thought it would be goodwill, Turns out there's actually more 
value propositions that we have beyond goodwill. And this is not something we ever would have found out just by, or eventually maybe would have stumbled across it by reading research papers, but you could only find it out by speaking to people. We learned that it's three things. The first, especially if you're a small business, certainly goodwill. You want to make sure that, that your people you worked with are taken care of. The second matters for businesses small and large is employer branding. Uh, if a, a company does a layoff and they don't handle it well, the people who have been laid off are going to talk smack all over Glassdoor. They're going to call their cousin in the neighboring town and say, hey, McDonald's just fired me and they did a terrible job and I hate that company. There's one opening in your area. Don't work there. They're going to post on Glassdoor and say, uh, I, I had a fine three years there, but their severance was handled so poorly and so inadequately that I, I give them two stars and that really hurts the employer. The third is wrongful termination suits. And this is something I'm totally new to and continue to learn about, but it turns out there's a huge cost associated with doing layoffs because a large percentage of people who have been laid off might sue for wrongful termination causes, anything from discrimination to uh, harassment, you name it. And these costs can be mitigated by outplacement services, by, by a whole swath of products, including ours, but really it's about treating the individual with dignity. And so we were able to learn that uh, only by speaking to people, only by checking out our business model and trying things out. And now the reason I mentioned that it changed or new or something new might have come up recently is because, again, what's what's cool is that you just got to be out there and, and things will come your way eventually. Time is a really powerful, uh, powerful driver of growth. And so uh, we had a recruiter reach out to us and she mentioned that she has thousands of people visiting her site. How did she find you? Um, it was... Actually, it was somebody who had been laid off, who I got connected to, who I talked to and learned about what their layoff experience was like. He's a marketer. Then he went to go work for this woman. And months later, I'd never spoken to him again. Months later, he had mentioned Riveter to her. She thought it was awesome. So that's why you got to, you know. Yeah, leads uh, can come anywhere. I don't believe in stealth mode. I think uh, unless you're working on some fancy government secret military project, like tell the world about what you're doing. Hence because, our podcast. Hence our podcast. Only good things can come of it. Worst case, someone steals your idea, but they're not going to care as much about it. They're going to have their own twist on it. And honestly, if your idea is worth doing, it's worth that somebody does it and somebody does it well. Competition can be a good thing. So this recruiter reached out and said, hey, I've got thousands of people coming to my site. Thousands of people want jobs who I can't place right now. Uh, maybe I could offer them your service. So now the idea begins to, to build. Of, is there a second revenue model where maybe the employer didn't provide Riveter memberships to the people at the time that they got laid off, but we can still capture those people as members and still provide value for them because maybe a week later they were talking to a recruiter and they asked if the recruiter can help them out. And the recruiter said, sure, it'll take me a month to find you a job. In the meantime, here's Riveter. And, you know, remember, remember us, we're awesome. We're the best recruiting agency ever. We provide you with Riveter. Make sure you come to us and tell your friends to come to us. And so there's this potential new revenue stream. Now, the core thing of a startup is focus, 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 only have one customer and find a million of that one customer, as opposed to a bunch of multiple kinds of customers. And so it's not to say we're going to build out these two revenue streams simultaneously, but it's interesting to know that they exist, A, and B, We'll need to spend some time deciding which one can allow us to execute on our mission as quickly as possible, allow us to grow as quickly as possible before we get into the other. So it's nice to know those two things exist, and, and the only way to get there is to be open to conversations with anybody whenever they come and be, be ready for them. Some of us might be wondering about the third potential revenue stream. I mean, how come you didn't decide you want to just charge the user? It's something we talked about. 
Um, and, and it could be really great, you know, go direct to the individual and say, Hey, we think we can help you thrive in unemployment, pay us $75 and we'll show you how. And I think that's a totally valid model, but it doesn't quite get across our mission. You know, when we, we were founded because we think automation and, and the doing away of jobs due to robotics and AI is going to be a really big part of the labor movement of the 21st century. And so the way to allow people who are being hurt by automation to actually thrive and, and live productive and, and enjoyable and pleasant lives from that is not to then charge them more money to sell them a service. You know, it's, it's not, we're not necessarily career coaches. We're not life coaches. We're not telling you, Hey, Abby, like pay us and we'll make your life better. We're telling companies, Hey, you're going to have a massive problem on your hands, which is you're going to double down on robotics and AI. You're going to lay off most of your workforce, except, you know, the highest end, most high skilled people. And you're going to lose all of your customers because they won't have, they won't have income. They won't have prosperity. They won't have motivation. They'll, they'll be, they'll be scared. They'll have fear and it's not going to work well. So our, our mission is to help people thrive in this capacity, but the way to do that, we believe is to build a bridge between companies and people, the companies that are be being benefited from automation and the people that are struggling through it. And that's the thesis we got to test. I appreciate that. So it sounds like it's more of a values decision that you made when you decided how to approach like who is going to be your customer. That's right. Also, if we want to go direct to consumer, uh, we need to find a million customers in order to grow. If we want to go through businesses, well, you only need to find, you know, 10,000 customers with a hundred people that they're laying off each. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's, that feels a lot more doable. Uh, a few more questions if you have time or I can save them for our next episode. Uh, well, let's lead us up to the present day and, and the next episode will be about what happens next. Okay. Well, then two more questions from me who sits next to you Top all day. Host. You know it all already. I like it. You mentioned $75 per employee. How did you arrive at pricing? I mean, that sounds like a tough thing to, to set and will it change over time? Yeah, pricing was really tough and it has changed a few times already in, in, in the month or so that we've been trying to charge anything. Uh, pricing is really hard at a startup because you know exactly what your value is and early on you don't, maybe you think your value is not that much because you know, hey, I only put a month of work into this, like how good can it really be? And that's where we were. We were charging 10 bucks per person. And then we got some feedback from an employer who had done a layoff who was like, hey, I like what you got, but like 10 bucks a person, A, doesn't excite me at all because it can't be that good for 10 bucks a person, which is a, a marketing problem. And B, if my employee found out that I spent 10 bucks to help her, like she's not going to be very impressed and my employer branding might go down because she'll say, oh, I got this <laughs> employer fired me, but they're great. They spent 10 bucks on me. So then we jumped to $25 and had a couple people pay at $25 and that felt a little better. But then, you know, we thought we're, we have $1,500 worth of benefits benefits that are directly beneficial to somebody at that moment in time. We charge the company because the company has a different incentive structure. You know, if I were saying, Hey, Abby, I've got $1,500 worth of benefits for you and we'll help make unemployment easier. You might say, great, that's worth 25 bucks. Maybe it is. But if we come to an employer and we say, Hey, you know, Abby incorporated, uh, you're laying off these people. We have $1,500 worth of resource for them. We'll make unemployment a lot easier for them. It's worth $25, but then remember your employees are going to write well about you and your employees are not going to come back and file a suit against you. That in itself is worth an additional $50. So it's very much a, 
an art, not a science, but we decided, hey, we have enough worth here to be worth $75. And it's not totally out of nowhere. You know, even in our customer interviews before we launched, before we even wrote a line of code, we were asking people how much they pay for a service like this. And you look at traditional outplacement services, which is sort of the high end, fancy, high level tier of what we're doing. Uh, and they charge the lowest, cheapest one is $500, but many of them are a couple of thousand dollars, up to $9,000 per employee at the executive level. And when we were talking to people, we were asking them, hey, if we made it super easy for you, how much would you pay? Some employers mentioned without a without a, a blink that they'd pay $250. One employer said they'd add 10% onto their severance package, which you know, if a severance package is, is a month, that's somebody making $50,000 a year. Uh, an extra 10% is like 400 bucks. And so we sort of had that in our minds of getting to a goal of $250 per person. We weren't sure how quickly we can get there. And I'm still not confident 75 is the right number, but it feels high enough to at least have an interesting business case where you sell 10 of these memberships, you made 750 bucks and that's, mm -hmm. that's good progress. Um, low enough to make it defensible and easily digestible for an employer is, you know, you lay off 10 people. Yeah, yeah, I let off 10 people, 75 bucks a person. That's that's worth it for me if I'm giving them all a month of severance as well. Um, so that's how we arrived there. That's really interesting. So it sounds like you started out with your customers telling you you should charge them more. Which is a good thing. That sounds like you're onto something. Which is a good thing. Um, so my last question is, have you gotten anyone to pay for it yet? Fortunately, we have. Fortunately, we have. And it's sort of through a trick, but it's a trick that I love. Uh, the first company that I mentioned, the delivery company I started, our very, very first customers were just all my friends. I was saying, I was asking all of them to, they were all driving for me and they were all ordering from me. And that's it. And people teased it and made fun of it a little bit, but like, what are you going to do? No one else heard about it. The first time we had somebody new join the platform who I didn't know was such a thrill. It was extraordinary. Similar thing here. So... You know, we were building as we're building the scaffolding as we're trying to get tenants into the building. Like we're moving the whole thing at the same time, and there's a lot of uncertainty in it all. So the very first customer was actually myself. That delivery company I mentioned, we had to do a couple of layoffs and cut some hours due to COVID, and 14 people's hours got cut. So I purchased them all Riveter memberships and and you know morph that company paid for it, and uh, they went through the flow, and it was awesome. Because immediately we learned we had a bunch of problems. We didn't have receipts set up. The page crashed when I typed an email in wrong. You couldn't copy paste emails. You had to type in them all manually. Like all this stuff that would have been terrible if a real customer had done it. So that was the first customer. Uh, you. Me, which <laughs> is super valuable. And you know, people say you got to eat your own dog food. But the point is like- People don't your, say that. People say that in certain industries. Walmart <laughs> likes to say that. Walmart says you got to dog food your stuff. Uh, don't eat dog food. Foods. I better listen to more sales podcasts. Oh, they're super in right now. Uh, so I was the first customer. The next customer was were contacts. You know, one coffee shop that closed, and they're like, "Yes, this is awesome. I want to support it. Let's let's provide this to our people." And we got to then again, we were learning more things. Oh, we had tagged them wrong on our back end, so we couldn't actually track them super well to see who who actually joined and who simply got invited. Then the third customer came. And it was a startup that just laid off one person. How'd they find you? Uh, again, a friend. Okay, uh, again, so your network. So it was all network, and it often is. Um, so again, a friend, and, and that was actually great because the first person, they, they laid off one person and provided it to us sort of as a, as a favor. But then a few weeks later, they laid off four more people. 
and we had already given them some value. And so they were our first return customer, uh, still a friend, but still a huge, huge bit of validation. And now the next step, now that that's been done, um, you know, this recruiter came along and that was the next customer, the first one we don't know. And now it's time to get more people. Uh, I don't know. And if I recall your, your second customer needed some troubleshooting. So it's kind of nice that he had your phone number. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it was really helpful. Our, uh, a direct line to customer support. Exactly. We're there for our customers. Sell to your friends first. Yes. Sell to your friends That's first. the title of Get, our episode. Sell, sell to anyone first. Sell to anybody who will buy. Sell to yourself first. Sell to yourself, especially if you pay. But make sure you charge. <laughs> make sure you charge something. Um, more the, than more than twenty five. More than more for us, more than twenty five. You know, we even continue to make that mistake and probably charge too little in some capacities for some things that we're doing, but we're trying to grow that as much as possible and, and experiment with it, but always, always charge. And I think that's a great place. Uh, sell to yourself first is the name of our episode. That's a great place to pause. Abby, thank you. you. Did an exceptional job as always. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to uh, return to take over the gong. I can't wait. Gong takeover. Uh, folks, check us out at riveterworks.com. Uh, if you have any thoughts, ideas, feedback, uh, first leave a review. Uh, but next, shoot me a tweet, find me on LinkedIn, send me an email. I am at alubarski2 all over the internet, or you can email me directly, adriel at riveterworks.com. And uh, next week, we'll talk about sort of where those early outreach comes in and, and what's been happening lately. Uh, one more question. How can we stay up to date and follow Riveter on the interweb? Ooh, fantastic. Uh, Riveter's got a Twitter, at Riveterworks. Riveter's got a LinkedIn, just Google Riveter works. Uh, find us on Twitter. We got a thing trending there. Advice from the unemployed. Hashtag advice from the unemployed and uh, keep up with it. If you got any hashtag advice from the unemployed, tweet with it. We'll retweet you. Thanks. Thank you.